Hi, my name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm declaring my independence. Independence from what? Why, negative thoughts and energy, of course. Chief among them, hate, division, and fear. You see, I know that we're all one, and together we can solve any problem, save our planet and each other. Please, join me as we come together as one and choose a better way to be. So now, let's begin with my independence report. And welcome to another really, really interesting episode of My Independence Report. My name is Kevin McDonald, and I'm your host. And today I have got, well, let me put it, let me put it this way. I'm always in search of people who have spent their lives in search of who they really are and have worked really hard doing a bunch of different things to get to a place where they that resonates with them that they feel like they can help the planet and they can help people we have a gentleman on the phone with us who fits that bill to a t his name is regan forston and i want to run through his bio real quick because and to bear with me it's going to take a moment because he has done uh, a whole bunch of different things that are just awesome and I'm going to ask him a bunch of questions about that, but he's been, first of all, he was uh, a traveling salesman like I was at one point. He was in real estate. He had a nice uh, real estate company, and then he decided that he wanted to go into entertainment. He became a professional clown, a corporate comedian, a fake motivational speaker. He's going to have to (laughs) tell us what that is. A ventriloquist. I would love to know how that happens, how you can do that. A mime and a musician, and he's done worldwide over 4,000 shows and then he moved to Hollywood and got his card which is by the way if if you know anything about the Screen Actors Guild getting your card is very very difficult to do and um, he did uh, work on many TV shows and and some motion pictures he was on two reality shows and uh, and then in 2008 he decided that he wanted to explore the world of hypnosis and what it was like to become uh, somebody that uh, would be a life coach and, uh, and work through hypnosis. And he's done that. He's written, gosh, it's, it's, to my, he'll correct me if I'm wrong, but at least four books and the CD that he's done called Angels Dancing. And uh, you can go to uh, iTunes and Amazon to pick up his CD. And he's got all of these life-changing things to become who he is today. And I want to, and we're going to talk a great deal about something that he is, he's, he's uh, working with, with hypnosis, but I want to run through some of the stuff that he's done beforehand before we get there. So with that, Regan, welcome to the show. How are you today? Oh, I'm doing, uh, doing great, Kevin. <laughs> so far, so good. Awesome. I wanted to ask you because there are a lot of people who, when they're looking for what they want to do with their lives, and they're they're not willing to change, not willing to be adventuresome, not willing to try new things. What is it about you that you could jump from a, a successful real estate career and leave the fear behind and to do something totally different? What is it about you that allows you to do that? Well, um, it's almost as if I didn't have a choice in it. <laughs> it's like ever since I was a kid, uh, well, um, and of course, all those things that you were talking about that I've had were, were for a purpose. And that's leading me to the job that I have now, which is the best job in the world. And uh, that's being um, uh, a facilitator with the Newton Institute, um, where we help people in a, some people call it hypnosis or trance. It's really 
just getting the mind really, really relaxed. And then um, we've um, discovered a way in that point that everybody seems to have a God switch. And um, it, when they're facilitated and we keep them from falling asleep, we kind of keep them just on the edge of, of sleep and awake, um, they're able to um, uh, remember their past lives. You know, they can go back and revisit past lives and then they can remember and they can take me there. And, um, and we're doing research on this now where they, they, where their soul goes in between lives. Um, it just blows people away, but we've had like 50,000 people do this so far. And, um, when you're on the other side, you realize that when I took the journey myself and spent about three hours, what I call in heaven, uh, like I, I, in the last book that I did was a story about that. Um, you find out that um, this crazy world that you're in right now, you kind of chose to be here <laughs> and to go through this, you know, and um, you know that everything that's happening to you in your life is for a reason that the, the people that are in your life, uh, you like, the, they're like the players in a play, like a Hollywood play or Hollywood movie that you chose to come down here to learn to be a better person, to learn more compassion and kindness and, and patience and um, to kind of take a step up, you know, to go up the ladder a little bit on becoming more godlike. So for me, from being a child, like when I was four years old, uh, I woke up, I opened my eyes one night, but when I opened my eyes, I was actually on the ceiling looking down at my body. And it scared the crap out of me. I mean, here's this little four-year-old like, what? You know, if I could say the F word, I probably would have said that at four. Like, what the, you know, what am I doing down there? I'm, I'm here, you know. So I then I, I came back on my body, and then I could see this, like, globe, like a little glowing thing on the ceiling, which I realized was me. And then I was back up there looking down at my body. And then the second time I came back on my body, I just jumped up and ran into my screaming into my mom and dad's room. And, uh, you know, how's a four-year-old just even, you know, my dad thought I was seeing a ghost or something. So he came and took a broom under the bed and in the closet. And he said, no, you're okay. There's no ghosts or everything. But I didn't know. So the next few nights it's happened again. And it became, uh, I was afraid to go to sleep because it, I, I just couldn't relate to what was going on, you know? And then one night I laid in bed. I remember I sat up and I was holding, <laughs> I was holding my eyes open with my fingers so I wouldn't fall asleep. But of course, eventually I did. And then I was sitting, you know, I was just had my back against the, uh, uh, <clears throat> the wall and I must've nodded off for a second. I opened my eyes and I had two men were standing in my room and, um, it was, um, it, it was the most coolest thing. I was not afraid. I just remember the report. It was just like, it was a natural thing. Like somehow I knew these guys or something. I, I can't quite understand, but I was not afraid. And they were just smiling at me. They were all dressed in white, smiling at me. And I remember, I didn't see their mouth move, but I heard them talk. So it must have been telepathy or something. And one of them in a real loving, really caring way, like a, like a beautiful father or something, just said, it's okay. You know, you can go to sleep. You're going to be okay. And I remember just laying down, closed my eyes. And it never happened again until I was 23. <laughs> when I was 23 years old, it happened again where I was out of my body and, uh, and somehow I'd heard enough and, and done, you know, um, uh, you know, it didn't scare me so much because I guess it would happen when I was a kid. So that was the beginning of, uh, sending me on a spiritual search and I was in my early 20s. So I, I, uh, or I should say a religious teaching kind of found me that gave me some spiritual exercises to try to sing a, 
an ancient word for God's it's you, like H U. Just um, and when you kind of sing it, it kind of their idea was, or when they gave me this uh, word to say, they say, look, everybody has their own individual walk with God, but when you sing this, it makes the distance between the other side and here shorter or thinner, like like a thinner wall, and you can start. Um, communicating in a sense with the other side back and forth. Although it's, you know, through dreams, through visions, through uh, what we call uh, waking dreams or these little miracles that happen in your life every day, you know, where you're thinking of something you need and then boom, there it is like a miracle, you know, things oh, like yeah. that. Happens all the time. <laughs> so I, I started doing that religiously for about six weeks. And all I did was uh, I just sat quietly. I sang to you and, uh, and, and then, one night, uh, I closed my eyes and boom, I woke up and I was uh, in, uh, I guess I'd in heaven. I mean, th- that's the only thing I could describe it as because it felt like buckets of love were dumping over your head, you know. And and then I realized that I was above the, I was seeing these yellow, like yellow skies and there was these, these massive, um, like I, I only could, the only thing I could relate it to was like oak trees, but they were because they had these big trunks, you know. But they were beautiful, and they were scattered around like a wheat field kind of thing. The skies were kind of yellow, and and then I realized I was seeing 360 degrees. You know, I could see all the way around, and then and I remember at that age just going, "Oh my God!" You know, to myself, "I'm out of my body." You know, I've done it. You know, I'm in heaven or something. And then boom, that sucked me right back in my body. Um, but I woke up from that. Um, and remembering that any fear of dying left me, uh, I really realized that I, that's where I just realized I said, wow, that's really proof to me that I'm not, I'm more than just this body, you know, that, that I'm, I'm so much greater than this body. And, and I was off to the races and like anything about religion, spiritual practices started, um, like my search, you know, for God. So, um, you know, so I just, (laughs) I <laughs> studied everything from going to Buddhist retreats to, um, you know, Seventh-day Adventist church to um, even um, uh, went to a, uh, oh, my gosh, um, it's the one that um, Michael Jackson was part of when he was Scientology? Young. No, not Scientology. Um, um, I did, oh, I did study that, too. Uh, but, um, <laughs> oh, gosh. You've gosh, been busy. Yeah. Well, anyway, when I was traveling as an entertainer, I would just, you know, I would go back to the religious services and I would just put my finger like, you know, boom on a spot. And I would go, okay, let's go, go there and let's find out what that's about. So, um, uh, then as I started developing this inner guidance, like I started every once in a while, I'd have like a teacher or something show up in my dream or something that would talk to me or would show me where my state of consciousness was, what I needed to work on and so forth. And then as I would come out of that, either in it, when I was praying or in a dream or something, I'd write it all down. And then these little miracles would kind of happen that would take me from, you know, it's funny, I'm a successful real estate broker. And then how do you go from that to going to clown school? <laughs> I know, you know, it, it, but it's just like, there would be like two or three little miracles would happen. And then I would go, okay, I hear you. And I say, I don't know why I'm supposed to go here, but here I go. So I would just inner guidance. I would say this divine inner guidance would lead me from step to step. And every time I, after years, I just learned, okay, this thing happened. I guess, I guess I got to go from here to there. And, and then I, when I would, eventually it would all make sense. 
it would all like the pieces of the puzzle would kind of all fit in. So, so your inner what it looks, the, the inner yeah. guidance system that you that you're talking about, um, a lot of folks don't have that or they don't know that they have it. How, what was it about you that that brought it to the forefront that you could figure it out? Well, I think it was it was this this desire for truth, you know, because I grew up Catholic and I sometimes when I talk about them people think, Okay, here he goes, he's gonna he's gonna bash being Catholic. Well, there was the stuff that I learned from that uh, all is what I needed to, ha- to have and learn before I learned this other stuff, you know? And, um, uh, and for, for instance, um, you know, um, I, the, um, when I was, uh, first grade and we were in, in St. Michael's and we were going to have our first uh, communion. And I remember, I don't remember too many things, but this made such a, uh, an impact on me. I remember it to this day. The little girl in front of me, we were walking. The nun was there, and the nun was holding her hand. We were walking in to where we were going to uh, learn about what to do at First Communion. And the little girl says, "My," she says, my friend's a Protestant. And the nun stops right in front of me and looks at her. And she says, oh, I'm so sorry for your friend. She says, your friend is going to go to hell, you know, because the only one true way is the, the Catholic faith, you know. Right. And uh, here's this little kid, and I've never even heard the word Protestant before. I didn't, you know, I was Catholic. I just figured everybody was, or, you know, you don't give any thought of it at that time. But that made such an impact on me because that little girl's eyes just bugged out, like thinking about her friend going to burn in hell, you know. And um, <clears throat> and that same little girl, about an hour later, we were told that when the priest put the host on your mouth, you know, it, you do not touch it because that's the body of God, you know. And so... She's next to me. We're kneeling in the front there. And like a curious little kid, the, the, the priest puts a little host on her tongue and she takes it out and looks at it, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> within, within about 10 seconds, wham, she got smacked right across the face oh. um, from that same nun and just says, that's a mortal sin. You're talking, you know, you're, you're touching God, you know, or whatever. And it, it's funny because that was so dramatic to me to even see that happen that, you know, I was, you know, I never, t- <laughs> I was never, I remember even, even when I was a teenager going to Jesuit high school, when I took communion, you know, uh, I, I no way was I going to touch that thing, you know, because <laughs> of what I happened at one year old. So, um, but it was good for me to see that and just to watch how the church has changed over the years, how you would probably never, ever find that happening now. And how, you know, the Catholic Church recognizes the Protestant faith. They don't preach anymore that these people are going to hell. There's so much spiritually that's, that's changed in the world for good, you know. Oh, and yeah. that, that, that makes me feel like we're going somewhere in the right direction, you know. Well, I just can't get past, uh, I just can't get past the idea that a five-year-old is going to let a priest put a piece of a human being <laughs> on their tongue. It's like, <laughs> wait a minute, you're telling me that this is God in himself? <laughs> Ew. I, I remember wondering, like, you know, what's the body going to taste like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just this chalky little thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, it just but, it melted your mouth good. Yeah. But in that belief system, it works for a lot of people. And that, that's what gives them some kind of connection to God, you know, to everything. And um, uh, I used to, for a while, when I was, I became, uh, I think when I started all this religious stuff in college, I started to comparative religion courses. And I remember about reincarnation, you know, the first time 
they talked about that and they talked about the Indians believing that the, the cow, they don't eat meat over there and the cows because they're their ancestors or something. Well, the whole class in college there laughed, you know, like, oh, that's ridiculous. That's stupid. You know, <clears throat> and and then here uh, a couple years later, uh, that's when I found the spiritual path and started learning about reincarnation and all that. And and, I, and that just made more sense to me than anything else, you know. Oh sure. Uh, the, oh sure. It, there's just it's like how can we how can we even begin to to become you know become a good person and learn everything there is to know about love and compassion and kindness and all that in in one lifetime, you know. Uh, and um, but I had never experienced that uh, a past life before, so I kind of was just taking it on faith, and then in this uh, this spiritual path that I started following. A lot of people there had had experience of recognizing past lives and everything. So <clears throat> I was kind of becoming a believer by, well, here's all this uh, proof because here's these people that seem to be good and kind and, and really nice people, but I don't think they're liars or making up all this stuff. And uh, there were just so many of them and many and many more. So I kept, you know, hoping that, gosh, I would sure be good, cool to experience a past life or something, you know. Uh, I've always then, wanted um, to do that, too. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting uh, because uh, you and I, I see, I grew up Lutheran and went to Lutheran school yeah. through one through eighth grade and, and stuff and went to uh, uh, the church every Sunday and, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But there was a point in my life when I said, this can't be all there is. And I walked into a metaphor, metaphysical bookstore. Oh, and, there you go. And, and I actually I had a friend that said, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to walk into a metaphysical bookstore, and the first book that attracts itself to you, I want you to buy it. Don't look at it, just buy it. And I was like, uh, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, whatever <laughs> speaks to me. Well, I walked into the metaphysical bookstore, and on the shelf right in front of me was Journey of Souls by Dr. Michael Newton. Oh, my gosh. What a good one to start with. And yeah. it, it virtually jumped off the shelf, and I had to buy it. So I bought it, read it, and by this time, Destiny of Souls was out, bought it, read it, and it really had a profound impact on my view of life and uh, on my view of, of, of what all there is and what it's all about. And I want to talk to you a great deal about that because you yeah. took the one step further than I did because I've always wanted to do that, but I didn't have the background to become a hypnotherapist. And you, right. you'd win and you did that. What's it, what's it like being a hypnotherapist and, and can you dispel some of the things about hypnotherapy that people don't get? Yes. Uh, matter of fact, when I, for, it was actually kind of for selfish reasons that I went to hypnotherapy school because when the, uh, when the 2008 crash happened and um, you know, all those trillions of dollars were lost from people. Um, at that time, I would like to do a, a custom comedy show for a corporation. I was getting like $5,000 a show and they would fly me in. I do this custom roast of, as a ventriloquist, you know, I'd have uh, I'd do a custom show where they would uh, introduce me from off stage and they would say, we were going to have somebody come out here. That's going to talk about what it's like to work for the company. You know, like one of the new hirees. And then, of course, here I walk out with the dummy in my hand, you know, <laughs> and so they realize, okay, something's going on here, you know, and, you know, it slipped out during the routine that my dummy, or the, the reason the company hired a dummy was he was the illegitimate son of one of the VPs, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> it, it was a really little niche I had. And I, I, gosh, I did all these big corporations all over the, all over America for a number of years. And, uh, 
I was getting paid well. Well, when, when that, when that crash happened, I was lucky to get, even get hired, you know, or to get 500 bucks or something because companies were losing money right and left and they felt guilty spending, you know, five grand on a entertainer to come in when they're laying off people, you know? Right. So, so again, this inner guidance, I'm with somebody, uh, my girlfriend at the time and, um, this wonderful, I have her in my, in my book. She's one of the, uh, six angels that helped me wake up. <laughs> She's like, God used women to uh, point out my imperfections. And then since I was spiritual and willing to you get better, I figured, okay, I'm, I'm they're pointing this out for a reason. And then I would, I would, uh, you know, start becoming a better person by making the changes that they asked for, you know? So anyway, she looks, she's looking at the paper. She goes, Hey, look at this. They're given a free, uh, a, a free, um, uh, one month thing at this hypnosis motivational institute where you can learn to hypnotize people and be a hypnotherapist. And then what went through my mind was, Oh, wow. Uh, you know what? I, I, I could get hired as a, uh, as a hypnotist. Uh, I used to have a talent agency as part of my, when I became an entertainer on the side, I had a talent agency and I booked entertainment for grand openings and company events, you know, where I booked bands and, and I would book hypnotists sometimes for like uh, high school grad nights and things. And one of them, I got into a, a nightclub or a, uh, a venue down in San Diego, actually Oceanside. And he did a, he, he was able to do a show every week for like several years because, you know, it's the same show, but you have different people that go up every week. So it's, the show's different. So, I thought, okay, hey, I'll, I'll just learn to uh, be a stage hypnotist because I've been a comedian for like 25 years already. And I said, I'll just change. So when I got in there, though, something happened. <clears throat> and when I realized how the mind works, and it just, I just blew my mind. I go, why don't they teach us in school to people how it's possible if, you're, if something's programmed in your mind wrong, you can change it. You know, you, you don't want to do something, you can, you can just, you know, like, like, um, I realized that the subconscious is programmable just like a computer. And uh, all of a sudden something changed and I was like, you know what? I'm going to help people. I'm not going to make them quack like ducks you know, <laughs> on stage. And so then I went that route instead of becoming a stage hypnotist, I became a, a hypnotherapist. Um, but hypnosis is probably one of the most misunderstood uh, things in the world. I mean, because the only thing people know about hypnosis is what they see in a few movies and that's where someone takes control of your mind and and um and it's a scary thing for some people because they figure that they're being controlled or something but what's really true about hypnosis is is that when it, it's all about just relaxing you know it's just so simple and it's you just it, if you watch the brain waves like when someone goes in hypnosis most people nowadays know that you know there's there's um, there's the beta state of like right now we're in a, we're in a beta state where if you looked at our brain waves, they're pretty close together. If you looked at on a, on a scope or something, you'd see these spikes and the, and the waves are real close together. Well, if you start to relax, the, the, um, you go to an alpha state and your brain waves get a little further apart and you're starting to relax. And then as you get a little more relaxed, like you're starting to fall asleep, you get to what they call a theta state. And then you go to Delta where you're just out, you know? So it just seems that when you get to that theta state, when your mind is really relaxed, um, it, your body gets really, really relaxed, but your mind becomes more alert. 
uh, like it's like super alert. That's why some people say, oh, just as I was waking up this morning, oh, my God, there was the answer to this problem I've been having for weeks. And I did, and they jump out of bed and they go, now I know what to do, you know. Well, it's because when they were in that state coming, when they were coming back into consciousness, as they passed the state of starting to get into the awakened state, their mind was so clear that they could see things clearly, you know. So all we do in hypnosis is we get people relaxed. And then when we're relaxed, we, their subconscious starts getting on the same level as the, con- the subconscious becomes like level with the conscious mind, like they're both there where you can talk to both. And you just give suggestions to the mind when they're in that state and the subconscious is totally listening uh, instead of being way in the background. And then people find themselves uh, changing their habits, changing you know what they want to change. It's just, it's just so simple. They taught us how to hypnotize people in the first three days of college, even though I was there for two years. You know, so they said, oh, hypnotizing people, that's the easy thing. And I went, you got to be kidding me. You know, and they go, no, it's easy. So <clears throat> that first weekend, all of a sudden, we're hypnotizing each other there at school. And I go, you know, well, <laughs> except for me, uh, everybody else seemed to go under. And I, my mind was so analytical that I couldn't get myself to relax. So, um in uh, school, every time they wanted to volunteer, like, you know, we have a class and they said, well, we need a volunteer to come up for this. I would always raise my hand and I would go up. Well, about the seventh time that I did that, I'm up there and the hypnotist is the, the, the teacher is um, telling me to do something. Uh, and in my, in my conscious mind, I'm going, well, I'm not just going to do what he says because that's not being a hypnosis. If someone tells you to do something, you just do it. And so I said, I'm not going to do that. You know, well, then he had me open my eyes and I had done what he told me to do with my body. And I wasn't even aware that I did it consciously. So I went, Oh my God, that's what hypnosis is. It's like my subconscious jumped in there. I got relaxed enough where it was doing what he said to do, where I changed the way my hands were being held, you know? Um, and so I realized that, that it's, it's like when your body gets to a certain point, your subconscious is there and you can, Pretty much, uh, you know, if you want to stop smoking or lose weight or something, you can, you can just have the start giving um, these directions to the subconscious, and you know, for a lot of people, if they're very suggestible, um, boom, you know, like I've had people come in for stop smoking, they were three packs a day, and in one session, all of a sudden, they completely stop, never have another cigarette again. Um, others, huh. others, it might take twenty or thirty sessions. But they'll like this one person at, in college that we were we were told of came in for 52 weeks to stop smoking, and at the end of the year she was taking stock and she says I'm going to quit coming here because I'm still smoking, and the hypnotist uh, the her therapist said well okay how many cigarettes were you smoking a day when you came in she says about two and a half three packs a day says how many cigarettes are you smoking now she says hmm maybe one or two cigarettes a day. So he says, see, it's working. It's just you're a little stubborn. <laughs> you <know? laughs> and then she kind of realized, oh, yeah, yeah, that's wow. I'm so much better off now. Two cigarettes a day than that. So everybody's kind of different that way. But here's the good thing about this past life thing, which would be cool if you could do it sometime or find someone in your area there to that's good at this, Kevin, is that um, with these new techniques we have, especially through the Newton Institute, as we, as we circle back around here to Michael Newton, um, this is, this process has been developed and fine tuned over about the last 35, 40 years now. So, uh, I was surprised when I went to, to their training 
and it was a year long process. They, they really put us through the ringer of, of learning what to do and how to do it. And then we have to practice it. We have to have so many, you know, you have to have so many successful cases before you can get certified. So if you find someone from the Newton Institute, they're really, really trained well. Well, uh, our success rate for people, just even if you just take someone off the street and say, sit down here, you want to experience a past life? And they go, okay, let's give it a try. Well, it's about 84, 85%. So um, that blew me away. And I still this day with my clients when they come in, you know, part of me is just going, oh, how am I going to get them to see a past life? What if they don't? Uh, what if they're not successful? And I do this process and it's just like clockwork or just it's seamless, smooth. They just get really, really relaxed. And then, you know, I, I have them um, feel themselves like above the earth looking down just in their imagination. If they want to say, well, just make it up. We think it'll look like from space, you know, and they're up there. And I say, okay, now on your right or left or somewhere, look around. There'll probably be this tunnel and they'll go, oh, it's right above me or behind me or something. I say, well, just feel yourself float over there. And I'll say, now, just let yourself. I said, there's nothing to be afraid of. It's, it's just it's going to be a good thing. Just allow yourself to be pulled or just feel something kind of pulling you in this tunnel. And the, the walls are kind of black at first. I say, well, I'm going to count from, from 10 down to one. And when I get down to one, you're going to be at another place at another time and another lifetime and experience that you've had. So I just feel themselves floating down. The walls begin to get lighter and lighter as they get closer to this light at the end of the tunnel we've always heard of, you know. And then I'll say, you know, okay, one, you know, boom. I said, you're in another place in another lifetime having another experience. Look down and tell me what you're wearing. And then all of a sudden they go down, they go, I had this woman a few weeks ago. <laughs> it was so funny because she looks down at her feet and, and she goes, Oh my God, I'm a dude. <laughs> I got hairy like, toes. Yeah. She had these big feet and these big boots or something. And, and because what people think is in hypnosis that you fall asleep and then you just wake up. Well, that can happen if you go really, really deep sometimes. But I would say the majority of the time, my clients, it's like they have a split screen going on where they're, they know they're in hypnosis. They hear me talking to them. And but on the other screen that they see clearly and where they are is in this past life. So it's a really cool experience because part of you, the wake part of you is going, oh, my God, I'm seeing these things. Is this true? Am I really there? And then I'll say, OK, well, what colors your skin? And they'll just they'll go, well, it's it's white or it's black or, you know, whatever it is. And I'll say, look around you. You know, what's it look like? And then is there anybody else there? And they they, oh my gosh, there's and this one I had a few months ago, they were building a cabin like this woods and there was a whole bunch of people from the community that were building this cabin. And she goes, and they're looking at me and I, and I say, well, do you recognize him? She goes, that's my husband over there, you know, <laughs> but their part that's awake is kind of going, what the heck is going on here? <laughs> so it's a, it's, it's a cool thing because you, you just find that you have this, this ability to have this double screen, you know? And that your memories from there, uh, I'm surprised how many people see, like they're, let's say if they have a, a daughter or their husband or wife or whatever they are over there, and then they'll make a call and they'll go, oh my God, that's so-and-so in my current life, you know? And it, and when they come out of it and we're talking about it later, they go, oh my gosh, I've been with my wife before, you know, and we had kids or they'll, um, <clears throat> when, when I had a past life experience myself, 
uh, I was a soldier coming home uh, and uh, running up to my place because it was on fire. And um, there was a dead woman that she was like on a pile of hay and just beautiful red hair or anything like this. And I turned her over and it was weird because I turned her over and I saw her face and my, my awake self says, Oh my God, that's my sister in this life. You know, that was a shock to me. Oh my God, that's my sister. But when these things kind of happen, when you're there, you don't plan on them happening. They just happen so spontaneously. And it's so different than you think that most of the time, most of the people, when they come out of it, they go, I couldn't have made that up. I've never thought about like this woman says, I never thought about me being a man in another lifetime. That would be silly. You know, oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. You so, know, so let me ask. So let me ask you because you've done, you've gone into hypnotherapy, and you are mm-hmm. now a life coach as well, and right. you help people uh, uh, get rid of some of their habits that they want to lose weight or smoking or or not swearing so much or whatever it happens to be. But the one question that I had that I when I picked up Journey of Souls, the first question yeah. I had was, what happens when we die? What, yeah, that's the big question we all have. What is it like to die, and then yeah. what happens? Um, and, and you know, we've had fifty thousand people do this now. So, it, it, you know, if you people say, "Well, how do you know that reincarnation is real?" and I say, "Well, um, when Michael Newton first discovered this uh, by accident, you know, he was trying to bring a person out of hypnosis that he was treating for some uh, issue, and the person didn't want to come out of hypnosis." And um, he says, why not? And he says, well, I'm going to go see my friends. And, he, and Dr. Newton says, well, I don't understand. And he says, and so Dr. Newton thought, oh, okay, take me there. And then boom, all of a sudden this guy is where you go between lives. And he's visiting his soul group. And he's, he's going, oh, there's my friend here. And there's Bob, you know, whatever. And Michael didn't even believe in this stuff because it was discovered accidentally. But then he got thinking and he thought, well, let me try this with somebody else. And then they, he found, you know, when they got to a certain point, he could just tell them when they would go to a past life, he would say, well, look around and see who's there. I want you to take me where you go between lives. And it kept happening over and over and over. And so after a while, he did some, start doing this serious research. I mean, he was a really hardcore researcher. He took 7,000 people himself. He had 7,000 clients that he did this extensive research when he would get them in this trance. And so he kind of mapped out what happens when we die, where we go, and what we do before we come back into another life. And then what? Um, about um, ten years ago, he was getting on in that and in, in in age, and he thought, you know what? I'm going to start and train other people to do this so they can take over for me when I pass away. And that's exactly what he did at the Newton Institute. So there's about 250 of us now that have been trained in 40 countries. So there still needs to be more of us, but pretty much. Anybody can find someone that they don't have to travel too far if they want to have this experience. But here's what we found out in the nutshell in the research. Um, in other words, when, when one or two or 10 people, all of a sudden, you know, they, they find themselves in this place between, you know, they find themselves out of their body when they die and that there's always somebody there to meet them, you know, like a guide or a, a loved one that's passed on. We found out, um, and uh, my clients, what makes it so real is that it's not like what they expect. Like sometimes they see them in bodily form, but a lot of times they're like globes of light, like energy, but they recognize them as, as personalities. You know, they'll go, oh my God, there's this blue globe of light. It's my, it's my great aunt or it's my mom that passed on. 
And, and so, you know, this is what makes it more real because, um, and then sometimes that blue light can kind of morph and then it'll look like in body form, like the person's mom or dad or whoever it is, so that they'll recognize them. And these teachers or, or guides, sometimes they're this glowing light. And then sometimes they appear to people uh, in a way or form that, um, that they don't feel scared. Like some people see, like uh, they'll think it's Jesus at first, let's say. Um, or it's a, a saint or an angel, or some people go, oh my God, there's Merlin, my, my guide, you know, like, and it, and it surprised them, like they've been with this guy many times before, you know, and they just know who it is. And, and they have like this, hey buddy, you know, and they hug each other and what's going on, you know, kind of like, it's it's really cool. But so if that happens with 10 people or 100 people, you say something's going on here. But when it happens to 7,000 people, and the experience is pretty much the same with a few little differences, you know, okay, what is research? But being able to, you know, have the same thing happen over and over again, right? With the same kind of uh, results. So some people can say what we're doing. They cannot believe it. They can say, oh, this still can't be true. But here we are as researchers and person comes in, they're all different religions, uh, all different ages, all different, uh, nationalities and they have the same basic experience. So as researchers, we got to say, okay, I think we've proven reincarnation out because we've had 50,000 people, boom, boom, they go to a past life. And then, and we've proven that, that you're, we're spirit, you know, that we're, we're not flesh and bones. And when we, when we live as spirit, you know, like in heaven, um, but um, in heaven, a lot of times, because whatever you think manifests itself, um, and because they've had experiences on earth and things like that, uh, you, the people that are over there can manifest, uh, bodies, you know, they could be male or female or just be, I say ambidextrous, but that's not the right word with that word, uh, androgynous. There we go. Um, and, uh, it's, you know, it's like everybody pretty much in all my clients so far that I've had, have had basically the same experience. They go to a past life pretty easily. They see themselves pass away. And it's really cool because a lot of people don't want to go to heaven right away. They want to stay around and comfort the people that, that are left behind. You know, we've all heard or heard someone say, oh, you know, uh, they've had a mom or dad or someone loved pass away. And you'll hear people say, oh, I just feel them in the room. Or some little thing will happen, like a little bird will kind of show up at an uh, unusual time or something. And they'll just know or whatever that that's a sign from their, their relatives or something. Some people have uh, people that have passed on in their dreams, you know, and they'll go, Oh my God, my dad came to me in my dream last night and he, I know he's okay now, you know, and what they're doing is they're seeing what these people on the other side are doing, where they're trying to let you know that they're okay, that you don't have to worry and you don't have to be so, um, you know, uh, to try to ease the people's pain and everything, you know, Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. And, and in Michael Newton's book now, he wrote another one called Destiny of Souls, which he wrote ten years later after Journey of Souls, because so many people. It's in other words, he answered a lot of questions in the first book. But what do questions do? But bring up other questions. Oh yeah. He says, yeah. He goes, okay. More, you know, about now and. Uh oh, you're cutting out. Oh, okay. Okay. Is that better? That's better. That's better. Okay, good. Um, so people wanted to know about, 
you know, things like that, like, are there evil spirits? And what about, do people go to hell? And they wanted to know, uh, do people actually hang around after they pass away to comfort us and everything? And so in his second book, he answered most of those questions because he'd had 10 more years of experience, you know, doing thousands of more cases, you know. And now us therapists, what we do is we're continuing his work. So we, we get together and anything that we find that he didn't find, then we share with the, um, you know, with the Institute. And, uh, and so we're, you know, we're finding out little, little bits and pieces more than what he found out. But the thing that I want people that are listening to this to know is to really know that we've proven that you're more than this body that you're in. We've, we've proven that you you actually made a conscious decision to come down in this body and you and to be this particular personality to learn something, you know, and it might be as simple as learning uh, patience or kindness or something. We have this uh, one case we that we, we were talking about between therapists. The lady um, was having this uh, difficult lifetime, uh, just just one thing after another, and it was just it was so difficult. Well, when she was on the other side she found out that she came down to learn patience and that was her thing. And we said, well, you know, if you could put it in earth years on like that, how many incarnations have you had and how long have you been working on patience? And she says, 500 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's typical. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So I yeah. have, I have a question for you real quick. And this is, cause this is okay. something because I've been, uh, I picked up journey of souls way back in 2000 or 1999 or something. And, yeah. and, uh, and I was trying to explain to somebody why reincarnation exists and why we do what mm -hmm. we do. And I came up with an analysis and you tell me whether or not, or an analogy, you tell me whether or okay. not this is even close to being, to being relatively accurate. There, um, there, there are two, three souls that are standing around in heaven and they're talking about some of the best things in life that they had when they were here. And two of them, mm -hmm. and one said to the other one, Oh, you know, I love pumpkin pie. <laughs> I just love pumpkin pie with the whipped cream on top and everything. It's just mm -hmm. wonderful. And the other soul says, yeah, I love that too. That's wonderful. And the third soul had never had pumpkin pie. Mm -hmm. And so he was like, I, I can relate to what it looks like. I can relate to it, but I'd have no idea what it's like because I've never tasted pumpkin pie. Mm -hmm. So he, he decided that he had to come back to earth to be reincarnated so that he can have pumpkin pie so he could relate to his buddies. Am I even close to being uh, sort of like what happens? You know, that's a really, that's a really good analogy because it's sometimes it's kind of as simple as that. Um, one of the things that people do like with my clients uh, is um, when they're there, uh, we, we, I have them prepare a list of questions that they uh, want to ask of because most people are able to go before a council up there. It's like a council of wise beings that will, you'll actually answer. And I found out so far that pretty much, even if it seems like a silly question, they'll, they're ha more than happy to answer your question. You know, like, well, I guess some people, this isn't silly, but it's like, you know, w I haven't found my soulmate yet or whatever. Will, will there be a, 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 thinking of a client of mine, will, there, you know, I've always wanted to, somebody, but I've never found the right guy. There are all these, all these crazy things or something going on. And, uh, you know, this client I'm thinking about the council just said, looked at each other and looked at her and says, yeah, you, he's in your life right now. You know? And she goes, you know, when, when we, when where we, is afterwards it? she goes, we, where is he? I don't know anybody there. Well, 
six months later, um, I was having a, a, a party or she came to a, a Easter party that we were having a big celebration and she came and she's got this guy here and she goes, this is so weird. I've known this guy for years, but I never, ever looked at him like a partner or anything like that. And all of a sudden he asked me out and he says, this guy, he says, I can't believe it. He's kind and he's nice. We don't fight. We talk like adults. And she says, this, I, I, what's going on here or something? I said, well, they told you, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it, it, it was, it was cool. But yeah, your analogy is right. It's like when people are on the other side, because it seems like to be godlike, you know, to be, to be kind, to be uh, patient and all these things, it, <laughs> they're like skills that take a lot of learning and a lot of experience to become loving, you know. Um, it's like we're born kind of selfish and the whole idea is to become less selfish as you, as you progress. So people go like the woman that wanted to learn patience, you know, she's up there in heaven going, you know, by having this earthly experience, I can become more godlike by going down and having challenges to, to, to teach me patience. And they, so they go, okay, I'm going to sign up for that. You know, um, uh, there's one place that, uh, people go to and it's like where they actually get to pick their new body. And this, this is going to sound like to some people like so far out there, but we've had so many people do this that you have to begin to believe that, okay, maybe this is really what happens is that there's a process like, um, w- way I pictured in my mind, because when I was in the, spent the three hours and 33 minutes in heaven, which is the book that I wrote, um, uh, I didn't, it was something I didn't need to do or I didn't go there. Uh, but, but maybe when I go back again, I'll do that because it would be kind of cool to see what happens. But in a sense, you're taken to like this theater where there's screens up there and you're with a teacher or something and they'll show you possible, uh, you know, possible bodies that you could inhabit, you know, and then you pick whether you're going to be a man or a woman, what you're, you know, what country you're going to be in, what race you're going to be in. Uh, when you, in other words, when you kind of know what you want to learn. So you kind of, you kind of, you know, pick out your body ahead of time. And because there's no time and space up there and everything is now, uh, you, you know, they can see a screen like this. The one I remember is this guy, they see this guy walking down the streets of New York and he kind of zips into that body for a moment, kind of feels like as this guy's walking down the street and he goes, Hmm, yeah, this, this could be good. Uh, or then he'll try a few others or something. And then you finally, uh, you make the decisions. You can ask for, uh, the guides and something for suggestion or anything, but they always let you decide yourself. So you're never like pushed or saying, oh, okay, you have to be this. You know, that we found that the souls actually know what they want to learn. And uh, let's say if they want to repay some karma, like maybe they've done harm to someone in their life. And they, they know that one way to learn is to go down and to experience what you put somebody through yourself. And that's one way of learning, you know. When, and, of course, everybody knows about karma, where maybe you killed someone in another lifetime. Well, maybe you need to come back and go through that same experience to kind of balance things out. And you, it doesn't always happen that way, but that's very frequent. I have know, people I, will choose I had somebody ask me, speaking of speaking of karma and speaking of that, and speaking mm-hmm. of, uh, first of all, of the 50,000 people that you and everybody else has put through, how many ended up in hell? How many ended what? How many ended up in hell with the did devil say, and the, oh, as in hell? Uh, H-E-double uh, uh, hockey sticks. Hockey sticks, <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, you're going to like this answer. Zero. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, people to some people that are, are are grow up with this hell and damnation thing, and you're going to burn in hell forever. 
we have not found, we're not saying that there isn't, but we have, on the whole research we've done, and for the questions and the experiences of all these people, they've found out that there's no such thing as hell. However, there is uh, reckoning, you know. In other words, there is payback. There is learning, but it's not in the in the way of fire and brimstone. So in a sense, you could say, you know, because uh, some people look at hell as like punishment. Well, okay, let's say you kill somebody and you decide to go back in another lifetime to make amends for that. And sometimes that means being killed yourself or something. Um, to me, that's an equivalent of, you know, in other words, you, you, you could look at it as punishment, but then if you look at it in a higher sense, it's just, it's just learning. You know, it's like learning to be a better person because you made mistake and then you rectified it by, you know, becoming, um, in some way of becoming another, a better person. Like, you know, it's, it's like if you're a kid and you're playing ball and you throw a ball through a neighbor's window, you know, uh, well, you know, you know, um, maybe all your loving dad needs to do is say, son, okay, you broke their window. You're going to have to work it off and we're going to get that person a new window. So the kid's got to mow some lawns. He's got to do all this stuff and then get the money, make that window better. So, and then, then it's balanced out because, and then he's learned to be more careful that, you know, next time maybe, you know, play ball in the other direction. So you don't go through someone's window and that, and, and that's kind of a simple way of kind of putting it, but um, sometimes go ahead. Okay. And this will maybe answer even more when people are before the council sometime and they've had a, a, a life where they've uh, done a lot of damage to people or hurt people. They, they know themselves when they get in their soul self on the other side, it's kind of like, I'm, I'm pretending I'm a soul before council and I'm going, oh, oh, I'm so upset at myself. Oh my God, I went down there to do this and I got sidetracked and I was cruel and I was mean to people and I go, oh man, did I blow it. I'm just, I, oh gosh. And the council say, well, what do you want to do? And souls sometimes will put themselves in time out. In other words, which could be for a thousand years and earth years, but they, they go to a place to like rejuvenate. They go to a place to, to, um, uh, do some more studying and everything until they figure, okay, I'm going to go down and try again and I'm going to make amends for what I did. So it's all about, like I pictured, like if you're a good father and you have a son and he makes mistakes, it's never about taking the strap out and beating the crap out of him. You know, a loving father would say, son, you, you look at this, you made this mistake and, and uh, I want to teach you to, you know, you're going to have to learn you know, if you want to have a good life to not do the, your behavior the same way. And, and the father's loving and all that, you know, and guiding the son all the time, just like God is guiding us all the time. And when we screw up, we pay for it. You know, like if we, you're out driving and you're drinking and you're a young kid and you're boom and you run in and kill somebody. Wow. You know, you, the rest of your life, you got to have that on your conscience. You know, you, you go through hell in a sense of, of, of paying back, you know, or paying for things that we did wrong. So there is a reckoning of sorts for everything that we do. So, but there's no, uh, yeah, you're going to feel the flesh being burned off your bones for, for eternity kind of thing. At least not that we found out. Well, that's um, good news. Yeah. Now yeah. I won't say that hell does in a sense, a sense of hell exists on earth, you know, in I a way, in that. other words, we had, yeah, you know, we have bad people do things. We have all that. But once we get to the other side, you know, we realize that this is all a play down here. It's all something we're going through. And the good and the bad down here is used is a, like having the good cop, bad cop thing, or I say a good teacher, a real strict teacher and a, a real lax teacher or something. I mean, 
um, you know, it's all about, all about, uh, learning. Um, I've had people that have had some pretty horrific ways they've died in past lives, but I, I don't want to scare people off on the process thinking that they're going to, it's just going to be, wow, I got to be, you know, have, uh, <clears throat> be drawn and quartered or something here when I go through a past life experience. Well, because of the fact that you're aware that you're in hypnosis and you're aware that you're doing this, but then the other part of you is there. Like I have some people that see it like on a screen. Other people are like right in the body of that and they start, they go, Oh, Oh my gosh. And I go, what's happening. And when they'll say, and I'll say, I'll say one, two, three, I'll tap them on the forehead. And I says, now you're out of that body and you're watching what's happening. And then they relax. So there's never really a problem where they're traumatized or something from having a past life experience. Um, By the way, we are talking with uh, Regan Forston, and uh, he has written a book that I think you would be really interested in, and it's called Three Hours and 33 Minutes in Heaven. Tell us about the process that you used to write it, and what's it about? Oh, okay. Yeah, that's see, that's what's made this so real to me is because I've been there, and like I feel like if someone says, oh, you just imagine you weren't there. You know, I said to me, it was, it was, it, I think it happened about October of uh, 2017. Okay. So it's been about two and a half years since I had the experience. And I have to say that some part of that experience I think of every day, you know, and it just, I, I can't tell you how wonderful it was. And again, because I was seven when I was in the training. Hope I lost you again. It's modern technology at its finest. <laughs> no, it was me. I get excited as I put my finger over the speaker, I think. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, here's what's funny, too. I had an operation three weeks ago, and uh, a major operation, and my they wanted to keep me in the hospital next day because my blood pressure was so low. And um, and I told the, the doctor, I says, well, maybe it's because to get through these things when they're tough, I use self-hypnosis in a way, and I just kind of put myself in a in storage in a way. I just kind of in a in a in limbo and really really relax or anything because I don't feel the pain and everything. And she kind of went, eh, you know. So then she started talking to me about what I do, and all of a sudden, I like this, I get kind of excited. I start talking about, well, like you know, this is what I do for a living. And she started asking questions. She took took my blood pressure after that, and it had gone up from eighty four to one ten, and it was normal, you know. And I said, because uh, she says, well, that's, that's weird. People, that doesn't really happen to people. And I go, well, I don't know, but you know, I just take and put myself to a really relaxed space and low, you know, which I figured just low, get my body really, really calm. But then when I start talking about this, I just get so excited. My blood pressure rises, you know? So anyway, to answer your question there, um, to become a facilitator, they want you to have the experience for yourself because then you'll understand what other people are going through. Common sense, you know? Sure. So the, we're, we're there for three or four days in this training and then it's uh, uh, my turn to experience that. And um, I, I just, I, it, they, I couldn't, you know, it got me just so far. I kind of got to a little bit of a past life. My mind was so analytical. I'm just thinking like, okay, what's going on now? What if it, what if, what if I can't do it? All this kind of thing. So one of the teachers there, that's how they're the nice, they're just like angels, all these facilitators that are trained to do this. I mean, I've never met a, a bunch of nicer, more loving, kind people. So one of them, one of the women there, um, she's actually from Sacramento and trained. She says, well, let me work with you a little bit. 
So we did some normal stuff. Some We did some tapping on some childhood issues that I had. We did tapping is EFT, which would be in a whole other show. But we're going to talk thing about that. that. I do to, yeah. That's yeah. another show we're well, going to do. You have to be another show, but it's, it's, it's like a God, it's like a panacea for almost anything, uh, emotional and people get healings. It's beautiful. Anyway, she did some of that with me. And then, um, she asked the other facilitator said, would you be willing to give uh, another session to Regan? He said, sure. So next day we did it and I just had the whole show. I mean, it went right to, uh, actually, uh, one of the things we do, which is a great experience is to get to the past life we go through memories of early childhood in this life. And then we feel ourselves getting younger and younger and younger. And this is another thing is some people are going to, their eyebrows are going to go up, but it's, it happens and all my clients have the same experience is we have them uh, regress to the mother's womb. And you actually, like me, I couldn't believe it. I'm going, Oh my God. Like I'm kind of awake in there and I'm going, I'm feeling my mother's emotions. I'm feeling her heartbeat. I know what she's thinking. Um, and, uh, I started crying in the session. I'm bawling my eyes out because I'm feeling how scared my mom is because she's going to have her second child. And, and she's just worried, like, you know, how am I going to be a good mother? You know, how am I going to, how am I going to do this? It's been so hard with the first one, you know? And I got to feel like I knew my mom more than when she was alive. You know, it was amazing experience. And then we go from there to up in space and through the tunnel and, and come out the other side. Um, where I found myself, this is another thing that was difficult for me because I feel, I think I'm a pretty good person in this life. I mean, I want no to do no harm. I've, I've worked so hard on trying to be kind and to do good things all the time. But I found, found myself, I was a Roman soldier and I can feel, I could feel the, my legs spread like on the horse beneath me. It was a white horse and I'm going up and down this row and I'm, I'm crucifying people. <laughs> and so part of me, my, my part that's awake, you know, that, that's realizing, and, but, but I'm, I'm on this horse and I'm seeing this happen in the, in the mindset of who I was, I, I felt my name was Celius and I was a Roman soldier and I was crucifying these crazy Christians because they're, they're nuts. They're following, you know, and my thing is these guys are crazy. They're talking about some guy brings people back to life. Oh my God, these guys are nuts. You know, there's some cult or some weird thing, you know, and I was just following orders from, you know, down from Caesar, you know, what to do. Uh, luckily, later in my life, when I found myself, uh, when I passed away, I was like, I think I felt I was like 78. My daughter uh, was standing next to me, had this beautiful hair all the way down to her waist. She was holding my hand, and I realized the, the bad that I had done. And I was so remorseful on my deathbed. And I promised on my deathbed that I would never let somebody control me to do things that I knew were wrong again. Um, so you know, I redeemed myself kind of at the end of that. So that gave me some, some sort of, uh, of redemption. Um, but, um, it was shocking. And I was, there's a lot of crying. I mean, cause my Regan self, I'm thinking I'm crying and I'm going, Oh my God, look, I, how could I have ever done that kind of thing? I'll tell you, it really humbled me to really show me that. And I, and I warned my clients of that too. I said, look, you weren't always maybe the angel that you are in this life because, you know, we always, almost everybody has been bad before they've been good, you know, because we've learned from gone from selfish to selfless. It's like a process, you know, to go through. Um, and when you look at it that way, you know, I had to really forgive myself and it, uh, it made me feel good about the progress I've made because I wouldn't be that kind of person now, you know, so that was kind of a, a good thing. Um, but the biggest thing that happened to me besides going before the council and I got to see my 
my dad was there who had passed on, my mom who had recently passed on, um, and my brother who died about 20 years ago. And they were all three there, and I, I, they just saw me, smiled at me, and it was like I, I'm so okay with everything with them. I didn't really need to talk or anything there, but there they were, and smiling at me, and it made me feel good. Um, but on the way back from wherever this life between life thing is, after talking to the council, um, I'm starting to come back, but all of a sudden I stop and I'm on top of this cliff, like, uh, and I'm scared. I'm just standing there and I feel like some evil is coming up behind me, like the devil or, or something is going to devour me or kill me. And the guide is standing next to me and this, <laughs> this is going to feel sound silly to some people, but here out of the clouds, like I'm on this big cliff up way high at mountain, maybe, the, maybe I'm up two or three miles high on this mountain and up through the clouds comes this, this giant hand like and intuitively I know I can jump to that to safety like it's just something there and then the guide says okay jump to safety and then and I said I said fuck no (laughs) (laughs) but I'm here I'm in heaven and I said fuck you know I said but Regan on this thing is fuck no I said I'm gonna turn around and face this fear or whatever you know and so the guide says turn around and I turned around like whatever it was, like I had this power, like I'm going to defeat whatever this evil is behind me. And right in front of my face, maybe six inches from me was this man smiling at me. And then I looked to the side a little bit and there was a line of people as far down this mountain, serpentining down this mountain as I could see probably a couple hundred people anyway. And they were all lined up to hug me and to forgive me for what I'd done to them. Oh my God. Talk about, the, the I, I was the Regan that was realizing what was going on. I was bawling my eyes out, and the uh, the, the teacher that was next to me, Rebazar, as I call him, he was my guide. Rebazar, unusual name. He just says, "Okay, just just enjoy this. Just stay here as long as you want." So the the uh, then the facilitator, uh, I told him what was going on. He says, "Okay, I'm just going to be quiet, and you just get all these hugs." So one by one, the person would come up and they would whisper me, I forgive you. And they would hug me and give me this love all the way down to the last person in line was a little girl about, I'd say maybe 10 years old, nine years old, beautiful, beautiful uh, little girl with this angelic smile. And my Regan self started crying like crazy. And I'm thinking, you know, what did I do to her? Oh my God, how could I have hurt this little girl? And she just smiled at me and she hugged me and she goes, I forgive you. And then, Boom. Then I was out of there and I was back looking down. I was like looking at the earth from above. And, um, oh, you know, I, it, it was neat because what I found out was that I believe to do this work that I'm doing right now, I had to unload a whole bunch of karma. Had to, and, and this was, this was like, you know, <laughs> like Catholic going to confession about all my sins that I've done for lifetime after lifetime and all these people forgave me. And it was, I felt like an elephant just was lifted off of me, you know? Um, and, um, it, it had that, that whole experience. That was the, that was the thing that I think that I remember the most because I, it really felt like I got forgiveness for all this stuff. And it's really helped me to be more clear channel for, uh, helping people have this life between life experience now that I'm with. So, um, well, I have to ask. You know, I have to ask you, Regan, because there's going to be somebody who's going to listen to this podcast that's going to say, <laughs> they're, they're, they're going to say, uh, Regan, uh, where did you get those drugs, and where can I find some? 
<laughs> exactly. I know. Uh, I don't care anymore because I know I've been there and that. And so I just tell when people ask me and I'll tell about the experience, I'm surprised that, um, uh, except for, um, and again, this is just, um, is a relative of, of mine who is, um, uh, what I would say kind of right wing Christian in a way, you know, that, the devil is very oh, I know important that. part of that. Right. Yeah. And he would say all this, he'd say, Regan, you're being fooled. You know, this is all the devil trying to pretend to be loving and all this stuff and all that stuff on the other side was, uh, it should just wait till the other shoe drops, you know? And, and it, it, and actually inside I get really, I feel really, really sad, um, that the person sees it that way but I understand why they see it that way. And I understand that, that, and I, and I can't negate and try to come back with them with some kind of thing, like, like, um, to argue it or anything like that, because I realize that what they're going through is probably what they need to go through for whatever their mission is and whatever they need to learn right now. Um, and, um, but as a human being, you know, too, you feel like, you know, well, you, 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 you know, you probably have the same thing, Kevin, because you're so open and stuff about your spirituality and about all this good and everything. And people think that anything other than the one thing they believe that it has to be the devil or it's not loving or kind. But, you know, it's interesting. I know, I, I've had, uh, yeah. Regan, I've had the exact, <laughs> the exact same conversation with the exact same uh, results that you did, which was, well, mm. you know, I'm sorry that you feel that way, Kevin, but you know, that's probably just the devil who's working his magic on you and, and, and stuff. And it's like, no, wait, there are 50,000 people that have done this and they all do the same thing. <laughs> and there's no, I mean, it, when I first found uh, uh, Dr. Newton's book, it was like, okay, he's a hypnotherapist. You would think the people going into hypnotherapy, if they didn't know each other and didn't know the script, because there is no script that, that, that you follow. There's a script to get people into deep hypnosis, but they don't even know who they, they don't know necessarily about Dr. Newton's work and stuff, and they still come up with the same thing. How does that, how could that not be real? Right. And... Oh, lost you again. <laughs> get your thumb out okay, of the way. Sorry. There you go. I had to get my thumb off that again. Okay. What what I have seen myself with the clients that I've had is the how their life transforms, how they become more loving, how they become more kind and compassionate. All the things that Jesus mentioned in the Bible about what is love, you know, they become these things. Okay. For me, um, since I was 23 and I'm, I'm 70 years old now. Okay. So I have not had, when I started having out of body experiences, thing like this, it's always been about teaching me to be more godlike. You know, it never, there's never been a thing where they've had me do anything of a negative nature at all. It's completely the opposite. And I go, well, if that's the devil, uh, how come he's making me be more godlike, <laughs> you know, the whole way, you know, uh, to, 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 um, and I, what I found out, uh, my goal for coming in this body, my main number one goal was to learn to be kind at any, like up there, they said kind at any cost. And, um, oh, wow. there was some, yeah. And, uh, and I, then I, and that's I realized pro, that's my profound kind at any cost. Oh, you, yeah. You mean you have to be kind <laughs> to somebody who's mean to you? Oh man. Well, Here's this bumper sticker I saw the other day that, that I needed to see. 
it said uh, kindness is uh, let's see kindness is love with work boots on <laughs> and I thought wow profound because I mean, uh, you know it takes work you know because you want to respond negatively but even or you want to do something but to be kind instead like to in other words turn the other cheek you know as Jesus would say yeah, uh, is exactly. not an easy thing, but I, I really feel that I go, wow, that's, I can f- see who I was 20 years ago, who I was 10 years ago, five years ago and now, and I would never even want to go back two years ago to how I was as far as kindness goes, because it's an ongoing learning thing. And it's, uh, it's, uh, been something that's really helped me to, to begin to really love myself for being good and doing the work. And, um, it just shows up in my, I mean, I have the most wonderful partner that I'm with, uh, with now. Uh, my uh, people get my book with the three hours, 33 minutes in heaven. They'll see how I had, uh, I call it six women and a bride. And it's the six women that I, I, had, I had a vision 20 something years ago at a spiritual conference where three, they had a, uh, a section on take a chance on love. So close your eyes, you sing to you, and you see if God has something. Oh, I'm losing you again. Okay, here we go. Okay, so is that better? That's better. Okay, so um, in other words, we were to close our eyes, sing to you, and see if we saw anything on our inner screen uh, about taking a chance on love. And instantly I had a vision, and here were these three masters that were walking on a beach and they had their, their elbows out and there was a woman on each arm and behind them was uh, Rebazar who I'd seen in other uh, spiritual experiences before uh, with a bride and it was blonde hair I could see coming out and it had a, had a veil over her face and, uh, and then boom and, and then I heard a voice in my head people say okay you're crazy you're in voices but it's weird how it happens it just some voice or some inner thing said that's all for this lifetime and, um, I didn't realize it at the time, but as my life progressed over the last 20 years, and then I finally, this woman that I'm with now who ended up being that bride, that blonde haired bride with the veil. And I realized I went, I went back to my other relationships and I went, Oh my God, there was these six, there were six other women that were, that I had serious relationships with. And they were all wonderful, uh, where in each one kind of <laughs> helped me get to the next level, you know? kind of thing. So I just called it six women and a bride in the chapter in there about how that happens. Oh, that's and, awesome. um, it's, it's neat because the person I'm with now, I just so appreciate. And I realized I couldn't have been with this person even 10 years ago. I would not, I, she would have walked by, I would not even noticed her, but these other relationships that I had, uh, that pr- kind of prepared me for this angel that I'm with now that, um, is, um, you know, I would say still, I'm still learning and everything, but it's like we're co-workers in, in becoming better people. So we help each other. We uplift each other. Uh, the one thing we learned that Michael Newton learned and that I've learned by having it myself is that we do have a, a group of souls that we kind of work with, like, a, like an acting troupe. I think of it, you know, like we're thinking of simple ways of explaining this. And it's a group of souls that regularly reincarnate with each other and, and take on different roles to try to help uh, the other, you know, the other person learn a certain thing. Um, and um, uh, sometimes um, they take on roles that are not too pleasant. Like it could be a coworker you have that gives you hell. And, and 
you know, on purpose. And we think, oh my God, why is this, uh, this person so mean to me? Uh, and actually, to give you an example, I have a client of mine who's a nurse and there's three different doctors that come in during the week. And one of these doctors was extremely cruel to her for no apparent reason. He would pull her aside. No one else was looking and he would say how horrible of a nurse she was, how she should, you know, get the hell out of the profession. And this is a woman like that, you know, 15 years experience that everybody else thinks is like an angel. And for this guy, she would have panic attacks when she knew he was going to be and she was sitting in her car and start shaking because she knew that she had to be with this doctor. He was going to do something cruel to her. So um, we did a life between life thing. She's before the council up there. And um, uh, she calls him Dr. Rotten man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so we're before the council and I, and I say, okay, now here on your list of things, one of the main things you wanted to ask the council is, and I say now, uh, I'll make up a name for her, Susan. Susan, I say, Susan, uh, ask the council now why Dr. Rotman is so mean to you. You know, why are you having to go through this hell with him and why is he making your life so difficult? There was a pause and then the council, uh, the, one the person on the council looked at her very lovingly and said to her, you were very cruel to him in another lifetime. That's all they said. And so she's in hypnosis there. And the part of her that's awake is saying, oh, I didn't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. I want to hate this man, you know? And when we came out of, when we brought her back and we're doing the, um, the post, uh, review, you know, review of what happened and we're talking and she, she still goes, she goes, maybe I was mean to him in her lifetime, but I, I hate him so much. She says, I, oh, you know, and it was, that was a tough one for her, but, Okay, now I talked to her about three weeks ago. This has been about a year ago that she had this experience. And I said, what's going on with the doctor and him now? And she goes, nothing. She says, I don't know what happened, but a few weeks after I had my session or something, he stopped being mean to me. And uh, she's just retiring now. And it, she says, I really didn't do anything. I didn't. She said, but he just stopped. You know. And I said, well, maybe what you, maybe some energy changed when you kind of realized that that if you wanted to keep hating him, you're going to, you know, you're going to keep this, this tit for tat thing going on to other lifetimes, you know? Uh, and she said it was the need. She said, I, I just, I don't know what happened, Regan. She says, it's just, it's okay. And I went, good for you. You know, I said, look, I said, maybe, you know, you thought it was going to be hard, but something changed in her, some way she looked at it, or maybe the next few times she was with him, it was different somehow because she realized that, Maybe she was just getting payback, you know? And so the good thing is that I think that karma with her and that doctor now is gone. So she doesn't have to, she's learned something. She doesn't have to go through that again. And so she's become a better person. So how cool, that's cool, you know, when people have that. By the way, we're talking with Regan Forston, and he's written the book, Three Hours and 33 Minutes in Heaven. And Regan, I have to tell you this. Um, and I haven't, I don't know that I've ever said this before, but because in 2000, uh, when I went to that metaphysical bookstore and I was looking in for something, didn't know what found it in journey of souls. And then I, because of that, I started this radio show that I did on KKNW 1150 AM for 10 months. It was two hours a day, five days a week. I got wow. to I got to meet some of the most interesting people. Uh, Neil Donald Walsh, who wrote Conversations with God. Um, oh, you talked to him. Well, sev- several times. And, uh, and uh, uh, Gary Zukoff, who wrote Seed of the Soul. 
and many, many psychics and wizards and and other folks. And uh, as a matter of fact, I recently had an interview with John Edward, which I was, which I was really thrilled Uh, about. I'd love to talk to him. I got to listen to that on your podcast because he's a very, I find him very interesting. Oh, he, he, and he was, and, but, and what I'm trying to say through all of that is because I had this basic foundation of what it is that we're, why we're here, what the other side is like, all the preparation that goes into creating this life that we have, the drama that we create for ourselves, the other folks mm-hmm. that are with us, uh, and in all of the by design. And then I listen to all of these very spiritual, very uplifted people talk about the other side and about life. And it is remarkable how similar it all is. It is, isn't it? It's every. It, some people have one chapter of the whole truth of what it is like, and then some people, some people you talk to, seem to have three or four chapters of it, you know. And even uh, with the Newton Institute, well, we have, have a whole bunch of chapters, you know, because we've done so much research. But there's still, there's still so much more. You know, the thing that gets me the most that it bothered me at first, but then it enlightened me a little bit was. When over there we ask about, well, where's God? And you're in heaven, and there's all these teachers, these most loving, beautiful beings. And we ask, well, where's God? And in a sense, they just kind of look up, like, somewhere up there. <laughs> it's, it's like God is so huge, so big, and everything like that, that even in heaven, it's like people call it, when we ask about God up there, they call him or this essence, the presence. They said, well, we feel his presence so strongly. It's like, that just shows you how big God is. I mean, that it's, 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 you know, one thing that you're, there's Christians listening to this too, that are kind of like, hmm, nothing else. Nothing wrong with Christianity, but when we ask, we really, I'm losing you. you, Okay, hang on. Okay. Okay. When people up there ask, the council, okay, what's the one true teaching? What's the, you know, what, what, what should I be following? And the answer that they get is the one you choose. (laughs) 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 You know, doesn't that make sense? It's just like, it does. But most people are saying, I want somebody to do this for me. I don't want to have to do it myself. It's too hard. Yeah. You got to search out something in other words, it could be the most remote little spiritual teaching in the world or the one that people, other people think is cuckoo or whatever. But if you're drawn to that, there's a reason there's something you need to learn there and it has to do with you becoming uh, better. So um, uh, I've had a few of my clients that have been Christian and they said, this, this isn't going to r- ruin my r- belief in Jesus or something. And I said, I said, no, I don't believe it is, but I believe what it'll do is it's going to give you a bigger a bigger, more wider viewpoint of Jesus and and what he's teaching and everything. And so with the two of them that were Christian that I had in this last year, I said, well, when we're there, let's ask if you could talk to Jesus. And both of them were able to talk to Jesus. And um, you should have seen the tear, both of them tears in their, they're in trance and I'm quiet. I say, okay, you're with Jesus now. And I says, I'm going to be quiet. And I want you just to spend as much time with him as you want. And you let me know when you're done. So I'll just be sitting there doing, making notes and things like that. And like 10 or 15 minutes later, 20 minutes in this one, uh, I'm thinking of, uh, I'll call her Betty Ann. She says, okay, Regan, I'm done. And I'll say, 
Now, when you come out of trance, you're going to remember most of that, but you might forget some of it because you're so deep in trance. And I have the recorder here right now. We're recording this session. So would you like to tell me, you know, if you want to keep it private, if you want to tell me what your conversation with Jesus was, let's record it. In both cases, they said, okay, let's record it. So they, they told me what their experience was. And it, it was very beautiful. It was, you know, everything you would expect, you know, Jesus to be, you know, where he was telling them that, look, if you just think about me, I'm, I'm close to your heart, you know, and if you think about me, uh, then I'm there for you. And I'm always here watching you and everything. And in the one, this was a 70 year old Catholic woman. All, uh, she said, and she says, and Regan, and then Mother Mary came. And we're having this conversation about our kids. <laughs> and she starts laughing. She says, she's like a mother. She's talking about Jesus as a child. And I'm talking to her about my daughter. And she's giving me advice on how to reconnect with my daughter. And, um, and uh, uh, she was, um, what I call her, Sue Ann, or whatever here. Uh, she said, in months to follow, she said, I've never felt so close to my faith. And I've never felt so close to Jesus as just by having that conversation with him you know see it's, and, it's it's awesome the way that you describe that because that that really can be the truth if you just let it go and and just let it be a real quick story i wanted to tell you about uh that uh that john edward did and uh it was oh, on, yeah it was on one of his radio shows or television shows and uh he was talking to a lady and she was going I, she was like i have a terrible question to ask you and he said okay what, <laughs> what do you got she said i my son passed away and we were in such grief that uh, we buried him. And then about six months later, I remembered that he said he wanted to be cremated. Now, so was he mad at me? And, oh. and, and, John, and John looked at her and he said, well, I can tell you, after three decades of doing this work, nobody cares. Yeah, <laughs> it's like whatever. It's like throwing off a shirt, it's, an it's, old shirt or something. You don't really care. It's like a used car or an old shirt or something. After you're yeah. done with it, you don't need it anymore because that's not who you are. Who yeah. you are is something special, and it's heavenly. And, and I found when people, even in their past lives, when they see themselves pass away, their burial that they're there, they usually have them hang around and see who's at the funeral and see if they need to stay or anything. They never have any... It's like they go, thank God I'm out of that body. You know, oh, my God, I can breathe again. You know, they're free. And they have no regards to, you know, seeing themselves being buried or put in the ground or anything like that. Because that's not them. They're there. They're up there. And they just, it's just, you're right. That was a good, a good uh, thing that he said, because that's, I find that so true. Um, I had a client that come, came to me recently. Um, it was very, very sad. She heard about this through a psychologist that knew I did this work. And he, he uh, sent her to me because she was so distraught over her. She came home. This has been about a year ago now, but she came home and her husband was hanging himself in the garage and, and she, he was almost dead, but she couldn't hold him up. She couldn't, you know, he, he had used uh, this strapping that you strap down cars with, so you couldn't cut through it. You know, it was just, anyway, this was her soulmate. She said, she said, I, she, she couldn't work. She couldn't function uh, because she was so distraught over this. And so she found out about me and the person said, well, maybe, you know, Regan can help you have some communication with him on the other side. And I said, well, I don't know. Come on over. Right into, she actually she went right into a past life uh, and out the other side 
there was a, a guide there that, and we, we had a little bit of trouble navigating, but in about 20 minutes, she was actually in heaven and she asked to see her husband. And there he was like an angel. Just she described him or something brought him forward. And she says, he's, he's really in a, in a repairing state right now, but we'll let you talk to him for a little bit. First thing he did was apologize to her for doing what he did. He said, it wasn't your fault. He says it was some stuff from childhood. I'm not, I, he was not able to just finally deal with it was because he never gotten therapy for it, some abuse and things. And he just thought he couldn't go on anymore. And he says, I am so sorry. He said, there was a point when I was hanging myself where I, I didn't want to do it, you know, but it was too late, you know, and, uh, what gave her so much comfort was finding out there was nothing she could have done uh, that was her fault, uh, that he apologized to her. And then um, I was quiet for a while. She had some conversation, private stuff. She didn't want to divulge, but just some private stuff. She was talking to him. And then she says, well, he, Regan, I think I'm done because they just came to him and he's a little bit afraid because they're taking him somewhere. And I said, I said, okay, where, ask him where they're taking him. And he says this angel or this being was going to take him to a place and to show him what his life would have been like or could have been if he hadn't hung himself. And, uh, wow. You know, I went, she says, wow. You know, so she gave uh, say goodbye. And, um, when we were done, she just says that, she says, I feel so much relief right now. She says, I still want to cry because my soulmate. And he told her, he says, sweetheart, we're going to do this again. And I'm not going to blow it next time. We're going to be together. And so that gave her a lot of, cause she says, I'm never going to have another relationship. I'm just going to wait. And, and, um, actually, um, she saw when she was going to pass away and it was not as an old person, you know, I don't know when it was, but, uh, um, it, I've not had anybody do that yet, but she, she knows that she's not going to be too long before she goes to the other side. And, um, so it, wow. You know, when I, I, I felt this is about doing this work. Cause I, I feel like I get buckets of love dumped on me every time I do this because I feel like I'm sharing the experience of this uplifting experience of people. And I think it's helping me. It's something I need to go through because I think since we're all connected, like you and I both believe, you know, we're all the whole universe. We're all energy. And when one person gets better, it makes everybody better, you know? Um, so, um, you know, there's this, there's this guy, uh, uh, Regan, who said it really, really, really well. And by the way, a couple of things I want to touch on before we go, which one is okay. uh, Regan Forston is, is the gentleman that we've been talking with. He is a between the lives uh, uh, hypnotherapist. And he works, he's is trained by the Newton Institute. There are several websites you can go to, or a couple of them anyway. One is www.lifecoachcentral.expert.com. Dot com, I believe. Well, it's actually, just not expert. No, no. Oh, just expert, and and yeah. and the and your other website is uh, visittheafterlife.com. Correct. And the books are reincarnation is real. You need to pick that one up, and that's a free ebook if you want to get that. And also three hours and thirty three minutes in heaven. Uh, get that book and and at the uh and you can discover some really unique things that that he that he does and at the end of his bio he says this i am finally home have never been more happy and fulfilled i feel so alive 
when I'm helping others, which is how all of us, I think, are more alive. But you've done so many things, and all of the things that you've done in your life, being a real estate guy and a professional actor and a clown and a corporate comedian and all of those things, all those things pointed to you doing this, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, it, was, it was like I had to experience the best and the worst of humanity to kind of learn how things work, you know, um, to give me this, this higher viewpoint of it's not always a bed of roses down here, but in a sense it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, because we're just we're sometimes it's difficult to learn things, but once we get through it, we go, thank you, God, for letting me learn this skill that was so hard to learn or to go through this relationship that was so difficult as, wow, what did I, I learned so much about myself and, and life going through it, you know. The one thing so. we do before we go is I want people to think about this. And uh, uh, Regan, I think you'll attest to this. There is a school. It's called the library on the other side where yeah. you, you get an opportunity to view your life as it unf- as it unfolds. I don't know how they obviously they, they they have magic that we can't imagine. But but you get to you get to, your life unfolds in front of you. And so does the lives of the people that you're impacting. And if you're impacting negatively somebody, you could end up in their body, in the library, feeling what they're feeling while you're being mean to them. Am I correct in that? Um, I believe there's some in some cases they've experienced exactly that. One of my recent cases went to the library and uh, I says, well, OK, what's going on there? She says, well, the librarian or this teacher, this wise being that was there uh, said, wait here, I'm going to go get this book. So he got this book, he put it on a pedestal in front of her. And, and I said, well, what's going on? And she goes, oh, my gosh, this is so this is so funny. I'm seeing a lot of my past lives and I'm seeing my current life. But he said, I said, well, what does the book look like? And she said, it, as he turns the pages, it's this white energy. But yet I'm seeing everything. She says, because her physical self that was here was just seeing the white. But, the, but her self that was on the other side was actually seeing images of her past lives and everything. And... She, she got to see just a little bit of what's coming up with her in her current life. Uh, and I found that out that they're not too big on, on kind of showing you your future because people want another future. Um, and usually they say it's because you need to experience it. You know, that if they just show you, well, then what's the point of, you know, <laughs> you're not going to have the, the, the total kind of experience, but they will sometimes give you a little hint about what's coming. Like if you have an, um, uh, another, your soulmate coming or, somebody important or something important for you to watch out for that's going to happen. Sometimes, uh, looked, yep, sometimes we're dumber than a stick and we can't see what's happening and what's coming. So they said they do set up road mar- or, or markers for us to follow. Don't yeah. They? Yeah, they do. And the thing that the listeners are listening right now, even if you don't have a past life experience or if you don't have the life between life experience, just you knowing that, that it's possible and knowing that you are more than who you think you are, that you're this this beautiful energy of soul. And you're, the difficulties in your life are for a reason. And so you don't want to play victim anymore. You want, when you're going through something difficult, look at yourself and say, okay, what can I learn from this? You know, if I change my attitude and look at this a different way, how can I grow? Um, and that might be all you need. You might not need to have a life between life experience or to go to a past life to, to really know that, you know, if you just say, well, 50,000 people say this past life, lived a bunch of lives, and I was out and that's who I am now, I think it's a prerequisite for getting to heaven that you have to 
incarnation. It just helps you live this life more because you realize there's there's reason for it and there's more going on than what you think. You know, there again. Is, yep, we've been talking with Regan. Forston. Now, before we go, we've been doing this a while, and so I'm going to honor your time and, and let you go. But give us, uh, in a thumbnail sketch, give me uh, an idea of a message that you'd like to leave our audience with this afternoon. Well, uh, the main thing is that if they're having difficulties in their life and they want to have this life between life experience, uh, or even just do a past life experience, which is part of the life between life experience, but some people just want to say, well, past life, you know, whatever, if they want to just have some proof that that's going to help them to uh, move on in their life, but that's going to help them to actually get a bigger picture of who they are and why they're here uh, to let them know that it's possible to have that done. Dr. Newton used to have a two or three year waiting list. And, but now that there's over 250 of us worldwide in 40 countries and eight different languages, uh, you can go to the Newton Institute and find someone in your area or anywhere. I, I deal with all of California. I travel sometimes three, four or 500 miles to see people. So I can handle anybody in California. And now because of this COVID thing that's been happening, we've been experimenting with doing it actually on Zoom or Skype. And we're starting to be blown away that that's also possible, especially for past lives. A lot of the, uh, Research now we're finding is we can do a past life thing on Zoom or Skype. So if it, that was the case, you go to my website. You know, I can help you no matter where you're at. Or you can go to the Newton Institute. Um, just type in Newton Institute. I for, forget if it's .org. I should have that memorized. But Newton Institute, it'll come up. And then you go find a therapist and you can find somebody that's probably not too far from you. Maybe right in, even in your same town. So if you want to have the experience, it's available for you. And if not, just open your minds, maybe read some of the books, and it's going to do nothing but help you realize there's, there's more to life than what you think there is. And uh, to have you start looking around in your life for how you can be more kind and how you can be more loving and compassionate and, and actually go up a notch in you know, what we call go up a notch in love. You know? And you'll find out when you get there, there's, another, there's always another notch above you, and there's one above that. We never... We never seem to be able to love too much or to have it all there. So that's probably uh, what I would say in a nutshell. Well, thank you, Regan. Regan Forster. You're welcome. By the way, um, that is uh, uh, the Newton Institute dot org. If you want to, oh, thank you. If you go thank there, you. and by the way, there's also a uh, um, a therapist finder section on there, so that you can find one that's close to you. And yeah. uh, and if you're in California, look up Regan. He's he's pretty dynamic. Are you still? You're seventy years old. and You're still working full time. Are you doing this a lot? I. Yeah, I'm doing it more and more all the time. Um, and um, to tell you the truth, I can handle about three a week uh, because these sessions are sometimes five or six hours. And when I'm done with the session, I am spent. I mean, I remember I did uh, three in a row in Los Angeles. I, I'm in the Bay Area, like San Francisco area, but I drove down. I did three sessions in Los Angeles recently over three days. And at the end of that three days, I remember the client left. And I just went and laid down for a minute and I woke up like 20 something hours later. <laughs> <laughs> I was out, you know, uh, and they told yeah. me, 
they but, told me that that, that 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 this would be difficult on the human body, and that they they uh, my guy told me four things to do to keep this body healthy because he said otherwise doing this work I would might get sick and die <laughs> because it is so much energy and our bodies can only handle so much whether it's positive or negative, you know. So I'm doing those four things, and so far so good. Well, congratulations, and and you are doing. Thanks, Kevin. You're you're helping people, and that's and that's the most important thing that I can, and especially in this day and age where there's so much hate, division, and fear. Oh boy! Get rid of all that. Do something positive for yourself. Do something positive for those people around you. And remember, those people around you they may be they may have been in your life before and may be again. Mm-hmm. So you want to be kind, <laughs> so that yes. karma doesn't come back to bite you. Right. Even if it's for selfish reasons that you just don't want to have to go through a bunch of crap, just be nice. <laughs> be nice at any cost. Exactly. Now, now, so you're listening to this podcast, so you're on Podbean, uh, the uh, My Independence Report, and that's where you're going to get all his information and stuff. So, so go look at all of his materials. I really recommend getting his his book, uh, um, three hours and thirty three minutes in heaven. It's an eye opener, and then go back and get the Newton Inst- the uh, Michael Newton's books, Journey of Soul and Destiny of Souls, and I'm telling you, it will change your perspective on everything. I I honestly believe that. Thank you for taking the time to be with me today, my friend. Oh, I enjoyed it. Thanks, Kevin. You're a great host. Well, you have yourself a great day, (laughs) and I hope everybody does, too. Remember, take care of each other, because each other is all we got. Hey, and thanks for listening to this episode all the way to the end. Hey, pretty cool. Hey, don't forget to follow us so you can receive regular updates and new posts. And remember, take care of each other, because each other is all we got. See you next time on My Independence Report.